You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message.
Christmas, everybody! We're so excited for this morning, so welcome to the Christmas service 2020. You are going to enjoy it. It's going to be awesome. Did you love that song? That was amazing, and the team worked so hard on that, especially their awesome dance moves, as you saw Luke with the chicken on his head. Amazing. Um, so right now, we're just going to take a time for offering. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so um, you can go ahead and fill out your donations. Um, give at embassychurch.ca if you're going through your financial institute. Or you can go on the Embassy Church's webpage, embassychurch.ca. Click the Give tab, and there are ways that you can pay or give your donation that way. Um, so you can go ahead and do that while I do the announcements, the important announcements. So um, during the Christmas season, the office hours are going to be reduced until the new year. Um, coming up in the new year, um, Bible study, we've often done it on Wednesday, that's being moved to Tuesday nights at 7.30, um, starting in the new year. And the reason why we're doing this is so if you want to be a part of prayer and worship on Wednesday nights, you can, and you want to do both, you can do that. So Tuesdays at 7.30 in the new year, Bible study will be resuming, and there will be a time change. Uh, for praise and worship um, and prayer that happens on Wednesday nights, that will be canceled for the next two weeks until we start in the new year, and uh, then we'll be together then. And lastly, uh, we have communion later on in the service. So you will want to go and get your communion stuff ready so that when we do communion, we can do it together. Um, there'll be, I don't know, it'll probably be in about 30 minutes. So you can go ahead and grab some crackers, a juice, water, whatever it is that you do communion with at home, um, just so that it's prepared. Our children of Embassy Church have prepared something very special for you. Um, they're going to tell us the Christmas story. So go ahead and enjoy that. This is, this is the story of Jesus' birth. The birth of Jesus. A long time ago, Mary was going to have a baby. Before we start, let's go to the way beginning of the story. What's Jesus' father's name? <laughs> God. No, this is Joseph. Hello. <laughs> and this is Mary. One day, while Mary was doing laundry, an angel named Gabriel came to tell her that she was going to give birth to a baby and his name was going to be Jesus. Angel appears to me to eat. <laughs> Angel came to Mary and Mary will have a baby name and they said that Jesus, they'll name him Jesus. Then her was going to have a baby and then he said that her said to not be afraid and uh, that she was going to carry Jesus' baby. I mean God's baby. Uh, and the angel told Mary that she's going to have a baby Jesus in her stomach and then she started crying. 
<laughs> Why did she start crying? Because <laughs> she didn't want a baby. <laughs> but Joseph did not believe Mary. So an angel came to Mary and said that they're going to have a baby, and Joseph got mad. Just to tell you a hint that Mary and Joseph were never loved with Joseph wanted to unmarry her and leave At the starting, they didn't love each other. Joseph didn't believe Mary that her uh, having a baby. An angel came up to appear to him in a dream and told him that he that uh, God wants him to take care of the baby and help Mary take care of the baby. That same angel. Gabriel came to tell Joseph that Mary was not lying and she was and that she was going to give birth to a baby. So Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. They had to count how much people they were. There were so one, five, to whatever. <laughs> they went to Bethlehem. Mary was about to have her baby. a man and that man told them that there was a stable that they could stay. He pointed the way and they went to a barn. So the incomer let them go to the stable full of hay. They made a bed out of hay. They go stay in somebody's stable. No, they wanted to go to a hospital.
I feel you so close to me that I can hardly move or breathe. I can feel your presence all around. I fall knees down to the ground. Cause you're the one that really matters. Oh, yes, you are. You're the one that really matters. Oh, Jesus. Cause you're the one that really matters. Oh, yes, you are. seen one before. It's your calendar and your calculator. It's your window into a thousand worlds. A camera, a notebook, a map, and a search engine, a personal assistant, and well, let's be honest, a companion that you touch and interact with more than any other individual in your life. It counts your steps and how many calories you've burned. It beeps to remind you to take your pills and to notify you when the package you ordered arrives at your door. It times how long you boil your eggs in the morning and serves as your alarm clock to wake you up and to drag your too tired body out of bed. You cast your morning workout video from it and listen to the morning podcast. It's in your hand and ear and in front of your eyes before your first cup of coffee. And you've looked at it more than a dozen times. 
before you crack open those hard-boiled eggs and sprinkle them with salt and pepper or ketchup or hot sauce. Where you go, it goes. You might text at traffic lights, mean tweet from the bathroom, comment between bites of your meal, power walk while you loud talk on speakerphone or with the earbuds microphone pasted to your sweaty cheek. It's got all the apps you'll ever need to deliver your dinner and your groceries, hail a ride, close the garage door, set up a blind date, look up a word, book a hotel, leave a review, read a book, binge watch almost anything, subscribe and save, and we haven't even mentioned Instagram or Facebook, where you can scroll and scroll for days, where you can let yourself get lost in a labyrinth of funny memes, hilarious gifs, and laugh at stupid comments from friends you haven't even seen since high school. Let your jaw drop at sensational news stories that for some reason, even though you know better, you click and click and click again until your blood pressure is high and your blood sugar is low. Before you know it, it's almost lunchtime and you shake out of your scroll-induced days only to remember that this whole time you meant to open your Bible app to read the scripture of the day. But your mother has texted you twice now and she started to use emoticons and this is my phone and it goes everywhere with me and I go everywhere with it. I stand with it in lines at the bank or while I wait for the nurse to call my name. I consult it while watching movies and eating dinner with my family and friends, while I walk the dog. When I'm in meetings at work, it's my connection to the world. And yet, it disconnects me from the world, from myself, and from God. Not always, but if I'm being honest, a lot. It does most things for me, but it does not give me peace. This is a phone, and you're allowed to turn it off. Put it down. Leave it on its own. There's a difference. When we stop, when we unplug, when we turn off our pixels and turn to the real light, let's take a moment together to close our eyes, to take in a deep breath. Exhale. When was the last time you felt true, deep, quiet peace? God keeps in perfect peace anyone and everyone who puts their mind on him. This Christmas, let us turn our hearts and attention to Jesus, who came as the light into the world so that we may truly know peace. 
Tune out the world a little more. Put down the phone. Tune into God. Turn to our peace. I light this candle today as a way to announce that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. So I attended one of those financial seminars that they offer to teach you about the importance of a 401k.
attended one of those financial seminars that they offer to teach you about the importance of a 401k. I've had so much time to kill at home lately, ever since my job got furloughed. I've been searching every job sport I can find and looking at any tip for how to make money and how to save it. I went down one of those rabbit holes on Google. You know what I'm talking about? Where I searched how to pay off mountains of debt. And after watching more than 30 minutes of YouTube videos, I ended up signing up for a seminar. They were talking about compound interest and how you can build wealth over time just by squirreling a little bit of money away every month. Apparently, the Italians thought it up in the 17th century, and then Wall Street perfected it in our own time. And everyone should take advantage of it. I like the thought. Say you deposit $200 a month into an account at a certain percent. That money collects interest, and then the interest collects on the interest. Don't worry, I'm not here to sell you a mutual fund. I mean, I don't even have one myself. I have four years of student loans to pay off and a car payment overdue, so I'm definitely no financial whiz. But the concept is appealing. So you deposit your 200 into the mutual fund at a decent rate of return, and you do that every month for 30 years. Voila, you're a millionaire. Awesome idea, right? But guess how I felt after the sales pitch. Here I am, without a job, with a big pile of debt, and wishing that before I'd leased a car, someone had taught me about money in high school, and had told me to put the car payment into a mutual fund instead. As you can imagine, I started to feel discouraged. There's nothing like having a lot of time on your hands, a search engine on your smartphone, and aimlessly surfing the internet. I've never done this before, but I was feeling so down that I decided to type four letters into the search bar. Can you guess what they were? H-O-P-E. Where can I find hope? It's embarrassing because I know where. I didn't find hope in my Google search, I can tell you that. But as I walked to the verge of self-condemnation and regret, wishing I had a job and that I'd been smarter with my money, I stopped my little pity party and walked out the door for some fresh air and exercise. I found myself at the mailbox. To my surprise, the Christmas card from my grandma had just arrived. Just like every other year, a sweet little note with $10 in it. And the front of the card said, hope of the world. When I turned it over, on the inside was a drawing of Mary holding the little baby Jesus and that verse from Luke. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. And I stood there in the snow without a jacket on, holding the card and the envelope in one hand and the $10 bill in the other. I looked up at the sky and had to laugh. Snow was falling all around me in those fat flakes that are as big as dove feathers. And I suddenly felt like the richest person in the world. Right then and there, I repented and asked God to forgive me for getting so discouraged about my circumstances when his son and his spirit live right inside me. What a treasure there is here in this heart of mine. Mary treasured up all the things that God was giving her in her heart. 
this miracle of a story that God sent his only son into the world, born of a woman, born as a baby, to live a perfect life and set us free from sin and despair. Wow. This miracle of a story has been treasured in hearts like Mary's ever since the day Jesus was born. And since Luke wrote down his gospel and the words were passed along through the centuries, just think of the compound interest that's accumulated in the hearts of believers. <laughs> oh, the riches of the glory of God in all of us, in this world. As I stood in the snow and I was starting to get cold, I had this desire to just store it up, to let the truth of God multiply and grow so that my whole heart became a reservoir of hope, to let it compound and accumulate. But friends, I have to tell you, I felt something else too. Like my grandma, who by the world standard has very little, but gives so much, so that her $10 gift each year feels to me like 10,000. We must not just hoard all this hope to ourselves, but spend it. Give it away. The world needs it. If you and I, believers in God, get discouraged in these days, how much more do those who don't yet know him need hope? Go tell it on the mountains. Shout it from your rooftop. Ponder the wonder of God's truth. And as the wealth and riches build up inside of you, give that hope away. Today, I choose to light the candle because God has made me rich and the news of Christ's birth is so good that I must proclaim it. Today, I share the riches of hope.
sacrifice Christ the Messiah into our hopes into our fears the Savior of the world appears the promise of eternal years Christ the Messiah here within a major lies the one who made the starry skies baby born the sacrifice Christ the Messiah into our hopes into our fears the Savior of the world appears the promise of eternal years Christ the Messiah and he shall reign forevermore started a tradition years ago of buying us a decoration made by a local sculptor who creates scenes of the nativity out of clay. Whenever I look at our Christmas tree, it's like I'm looking at every part of the Christmas story and the history of our family get-togethers all at the same time. I was staring at the Christmas tree the other night squinting up at it from the floor. And a question came to me. Have I taken the shape you want me to take? These words fell into my exhausted mind from where I lay on the floor after a long day. You see, I used to say a prayer quite often when I was younger. As the direction of my life wasn't quite so clear. When there were more years ahead of me than behind me, I was in the habit of praying, God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Please shape me. This was when I had yet to choose the path, the university I'd study at, the career I'd pursue, my spouse. Oh, don't worry. I'm no Scrooge bemoaning a Christmas past and all that could have been. When I was looking at all those clay ornaments, it triggered this memory of when I was unformed, ready to be made into something. 
yet to be tested and strengthened through fire. That prayer over the years became more of a declaration, you know, like, I will take the shape my father will have me take, for he is the potter and I am the clay. I believe it still with all my heart. <laughs> but this lump, and let's be honest, lumpy clay, has been shaped. I live, act, walk in a certain way, and have for years. That hopeful, prayerful statement I declared when I was young, well, it was before this strange time we're all living in. Before our world ground to a halt and the virus hit. Before they sort of just shut down and canceled everything in a way that's still impacting me and so many people I know. Like my daughter, who cried over the phone when she called to tell us that she won't be sending a little clay decoration this year because the sculptor couldn't reopen after the quarantine. So last year's little clay shepherd boy was the final one. That prayer of faith I prayed all those years ago, is it canceled too? I, I prayed it before this cynical time when politics and conversation weren't so angry and toxic where you can have a civil chat with relatives from the other side of the country who vote for the other party at Thanksgiving. Remember that? It seems that when I prayed that old prayer, it was in a much simpler or hopeful time. So there I was, laying on the floor. The tree is decked out and twinkling but it just doesn't look the same. The feelings, the expectation I normally have at Christmas were not there. Then I started looking around the living room at all the things in it. Stuff gathered up over a lifetime. Furniture and bookshelves, trinkets and souvenirs, picture frames and coffee mugs and plant holders. All these practical and decorative things. And I had to chuckle. God, you have shaped me. Now, God, please use me. Sometimes at Christmas, I just want to think about the baby in the manger. Some years, I'm part of a choir or in the big church play. This year, I feel a bit more tired than usual. And I'm not all that certain if we should have even put up the tree. But whether I'm standing with my arms raised in worship or laying on the living room floor, I know that the God I serve is a God who both shapes me and uses me. He's the God who cleans and polishes me. He repairs me and restores me. He is the potter and I am the clay. And he holds me in his hand. I don't know if we'll have a big dinner with the turkey and all the trimmings or order pizza and eat on the couch this year. 
But I do know that my God is the God who can fill this empty vessel with grace. A grace that isn't based on a feeling or on my circumstances, but on the very nature of who he is. A gracious God who gave his only son to the world to save it from despair. And so this year, I choose to light a candle to declare that God has filled the world and my life and your life with grace. This Christmas, we ask you, God, to shape us into the shape you want us to take. Use us in the way you want to, God, and fill us with your grace. what it meant. Uh, like Joseph, when he went to the Pharaoh and helped him perceive that there'd be seven years of great harvest followed by seven years of famine. 
But there were no cows and no rivers. It was just me alone in the desert. The sun beating down on my skin. My fingers were blistered. My lips were dry and cracked. It was drier than I could ever remember. I just wanted to cry. But uh, it was so dry that there just weren't any tears. And then this voice came to me, whispering on the wind, as every hair on my arm stood up on end. And the words just startled me as a cool breeze swept across my body. And I sat up and woke up right then because I felt so real and so startling. I, I think I finally understand what Elijah felt like on the mountain when he heard the voice of God after the earthquake, after the fires, after the winds. I will never forget those words like they were, like they were painted on the wallpaper of my bedroom with wrapping paper and tape and scissors just lying on the floor after a late night session of gift wrapping. What were the words that so startled me? They said, drink deeply from the rivers of my delight. I mean, drink deeply, but from where? There was no water anywhere to be seen. And just as I found myself wishing that I could build a time machine and go back to ancient Egypt, just as they were about to rise to prominence, so I could track down Joseph in his cell, so I could ask him to help me understand it, the answer just came to me like that. The same way the wind blew and startled me in my dream, the gentle voice of the whisper. See, the desert's where we're at, where we've been, what we're going through. I mean, it was a tough year, <laughs> a very depleting year. I mean, I felt more depleted than I'd like to admit, and, and maybe even more depleted than I've ever felt in my life. And I've been, um, well, we've been, we've been through a tough year, haven't we? There's been more confusion and uncertainty and loneliness and anger and fear than most of us have ever felt. And it all came at us at once. Some of us were prepared with sunscreen and weeks worth of, sun, of, of food. But some of us, some of us didn't even bring a hat. And I know, I know, I know, it feels weird to be talking about deserts when our minds are shifting towards the Christmas season and all things Christmassy. Like cold and ice, snow, eggnog. It's weird to be talking about deserts, you're right. But what feels even stranger is to be preparing for a Christmas season. For some of us, it'll be strange and lonely and dry. I mean, can you even smell gravy over Zoom? I mean, it's exactly the moment that we need our families the most. And we can't even give our, some of us can't even give our families hugs. We can't kiss a sweet new baby or sing Christmas carols out of tune at the top of our lungs. Open gifts. Laugh. I mean, wrapping gifts last night, um, I was just going through the motions. I was taking out the same decorations. I was getting ready for the same Christmas traditions as I do every year, just with none of the joy, none of the feeling. Uh, it hasn't been joyful, it's been a dry, 
Like the burnt lips in my dream, like the scorched and sandy ground that I was standing on. And yet the still small voice whispers, drink deeply. But from where? <laughs> Holy Spirit, my friends, from God's sweet and refreshing spirit. I mean, if I learned anything in this season, it's you can never have enough. You can't have enough toilet paper packed away in the linen closet. You can't have enough canned goods in the pantry. I mean, I don't think there are enough batteries in the world to bring us out of the darkness. I mean, my own strength, my own faith, habits and traditions, no matter how good they are, are simply not enough. <laughs> and even as I'm walking through this dry and weary land, there is a river that flows that will never, ever run dry. I mean, I had to be reminded, perhaps even warned in a dream, that from this river, I can never get enough. I must run to it, back to it, over and over and over and over again. So today, so today I'm lighting a candle. As I remember that even in the desert, God refreshes, even in the darkest, his light shines. No matter what we feel, by his great mercy, we can find the joy of God again. So let's go to him, drink deeply, and find true joy. us again. You can even stand if you want. Sing with 
God, we adore you. We praise your name, Jesus. Joseph as they were preparing for the birth of Jesus. I think of the pain of childbirth and all the things that surround childbirth, but think of the moments as leading up to it. Two young people getting ready to welcome Jesus, but they had no family with them. They had no friends with them. They were on their own. And then on top of that, they had no place to stay. They had to stay in a barn filled with animals. Think of the sounds and the sights and probably the smell. Not the greatest of circumstances to welcome Jesus. I imagine that Mary is panicked and Joseph is praying as they prepare for Jesus. But yet I think that there's this moment, there's this awe that's inside of them, this wonder of a moment. I picture that Mary's saying to Joseph, is this really happening? And Joseph is saying, Mary, yeah, I think this is actually happening. And they're just in wonder of what's about to come. They've always heard that no one sees God and lives and yet wrapped in swaddling clothes, they're looking at him with their very eyes and not just looking at them, holding him. There's also the custom that the priests can only go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God once a year. 
And yet right now in this moment, they're in his presence. Imagine the wonder that was filling them, the awe. And yet, it was what God always planned. It was all part of his plan. He didn't want to be separate from us. He wanted to be with us. Think about that. God of the universe, the sustainer of all things, the breath of life, wanted to be with us, not separate. He wanted to be with us in every moment. He wanted to be with us every step, every hurt, every heart, every hurdle, every happy moment. He wanted to be with us because he loved us, because he chose us. And so he sent his son. And like the Bible says in John 3:16, that God so loved the world. He so loved us that he gave his only son, that whoever, Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In this moment, God gave, but he keeps on giving. He keeps on giving to us. And so right now, this Christmas, we pray this, that the wonder of what Christmas really means be restored to us that the wonder of his love be restored to us and that we would receive it. That like Mary and Joseph, in the midst of not the greatest of circumstances, of unknown circumstances, of maybe even the feeling of being separated and alone, that we would receive his love and become undone by the wonder of it. So today, I light the last candle in wonder of the love, the love of God that he loves us so much that he wanted to be with us. And in the middle of a world that is changing, he remains with us and his love remains.
Isaiah 9, 6-7. For child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heaven's armies will make this happen. Well, we're going to get ready to take communion right now. So you can go grab it. We do this in remembrance of Jesus and the price that he paid. So Jesus, we take this in remembrance of your body that you gave so that we would have life. It was your love that you gave for us. And we do this in remembrance of you. And we take the cup that represents your blood, which was your life that was poured out for us. was also your love that was given for us. So Jesus, over this Christmas season, we recognize and we celebrate your birth, but we celebrate all that it means. And we remember all that it means that you came so that you could die. And we say thank you. Thank you for the high price that you paid for us. Jesus, we honor you.
Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 to 12, 14 to 18, from the New Living Translation. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the unique one, who is God himself, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. want to give you an opportunity that if you've been a part of our Christmas service with us and you've heard us talk about Jesus and we talk about him that he's the Prince of Peace and that he's the hope and he's our joy and if you don't know him we want to give you an opportunity to know him all you have to do is just say after us Jesus I want you to come into my life I want you to be the Lord of my life I want you to fill my life with who you are. Be my Lord and be my Savior. 
come into my heart and make me new. And if you said that prayer with us, we want you to let us know. Reach out to us. He really is the reason for the season, but he is our hope in every season. He is our joy in every season. He is a peace that makes us go, that helps us go through storms and trials. He is everything to us. So reach out to us. We would love to pray with you and help you, give you some stuff that will help you in your new way of life with Jesus. But this concludes our Christmas service. And so we want to say Merry Christmas from all of us to you. And we really do hope that in this season that you do find the wonder of it all. That it's so much more than presence and we know that. And it's even more than getting together with family. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus who came as our Savior. We wish you a merry, merry Christmas. We love you. information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.